Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the master of ceremonies, Matt. And we got to talk about our first remake today. Yes. The official wonderful world of remakes. Yes. Uh, which is going to be our um, in-between series uh, go-to mm-hmm. when we don't have specifically something that we want to uh, cover. But I feel like not only is it good for Christmas time, but also to introduce this concept to mm-hmm. the show. Um, for this wonderful, wonderful world remix, we got to come up with a better way to say it. We got to say it's shorter, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but when we cover those... We're specifically not going to compare it to the original. Yes. That is our first primary rule. This movie's a good um, baseline for that. Right. Because there's homages Mm -hmm. and there's explorations. And both of those things, as we'll see when we get into production, were specifically between movie, like the director of the old movie and the director of this new movie talked about it. Yes. A lot. So that's just how we're going to approach it is that, you know, if something that we talk about in one of these movies is in the original, we will say so. But like Mm -hmm. just for just in terms of giving you extra stuff, you know, just so that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, we're not going to be like, oh, well, it was cooler in the original. Like they use this effect or whatever. Yeah. We're just going to make note of it, especially because this one at the very least has a lot of actors or at least one from the, from the original. original as well. Yes. Um, so I feel like because we're not comparing it to the original, uh, if it can be helped, mm-hmm. this is supposed to be why this movie is good. That's yes, why we're going to be exactly. It. So what? What is this movie that we're talking about today? Uh, so today's movie we're talking about Black Christmas, the 2006 remake, not right. the 2019 remake. Right. Because there are two. This is one of the first franchises I think that we've talked about, with the exception of Halloween. That's had mm-hmm. another revival of a remake. Yes. Um, the first remake, this one that we'll be covering today, was came out in uh, 2006. Mm-hmm. Um, the most recent one came out in 2019. Yes. It was December of 2019. Um, and both are completely separate from even the original. They're separate mm-hmm. from each other. So again, we're just going to be talking about this movie. And uh, if you want us to cover the 2019 one, we won't. Yeah. Because we hate it. <laughs> But that's irrelevant. Yeah. Um, so, before we get into it, uh, you hadn't seen the original, correct? Correct. Yes. So did you know, like, anything about, like, what Black Christmas was? I knew a couple, like, iconic shots, but that was about it. Right, right. So I knew very little going into it. What kind of iconic shots? So I knew about... Just as, um, like, a little stocking stuffer. I think there have been some, like, ornament kills that I remembered hearing about, but for the most part, it was just kind of the um, vibe I had gotten, because I had seen, like, a couple screen grabs from the original movie, Right. but I didn't have any context around it. I think that's what's kind of interesting with this one, is the homages they make tend to be... Um, like further uses of like that kill. So like mm-hmm. for instance, a big one in the original was the plastic bag yeah. over the face of the person in the rocking chair. That's the beginning of that movie, mm-hmm. and that's it. It's a very iconic look. It's the cover of the movie that I have, um, but that's kind of it. 
this movie there's more of that and there's like origins of that so it's, yes. it's not necessarily like oh we're ripping off the original it's like we're using this because we think it's cool and we want to keep using it mm-hmm. um and make it way worse because we add yeah. a horrible backstory we're gonna talk a little bit about the backstory later on when we talk about the killer himself but it's fucking horrible it's messed up man like all right so we watched the unrated cut of this movie yes um there is a great deal more gore in mm-hmm. the unrated cut. It is already a pretty gory movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not just the gore that might bug some people. Um, there's familial incest. Uh, not obviously like explicitly shown, despite it being an unrated movie, but, you know. It just makes you really uncomfortable. Uncomfortable, yeah. For just that bit where they reference it it's mostly like we watched it with a group so it was like we watched it and communally went oh for like two minutes to kind of like gloss over it mm-hmm. and then it was over yeah and then the implications of it were just, just kind of permeated yeah. the rest of the movie um but i don't know Maybe that was just the vibe. This was definitely of the era where they're like, oh, man, if we make fucked up shit, because it's 06, so it's mm-hmm. in what we talked about with Saw, like, the next, like, decade of horror that had violence, they're like, we gotta, like, make it horrible. Yeah. Um, Wicked Hostel, what we talked about with Steph last time. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this one has a great deal of gore that has uh, not the least of which to do with the wine scenes, mm-hmm. again. Um, but... Before we get in, I do want to say everyone that made this movie, like, cast and crew that I read stuff about, Mm -hmm. loved it and put their all into making it. Absolutely. Like, they really, really cared. They really wanted to make this something special. They really wanted to make this stand out. And I think it absolutely does. Mm -hmm. Like, even among remakes, and I like remakes, but, you know, even those people who revile them, I feel like this one they might have to choose their words a little bit more carefully. Yeah. Because it's very unique, and I think it's very well put together. And despite it being a gory movie, it still has a lot of, like, attention to characters. It has attention to storytelling and the vibe. The aesthetic is very good. Yeah, it really delves into that aesthetic, and I'm really glad it does. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So at the top of all of it is um, director, producer uh, Glenn Morgan. Um, who did a lot of... He basically made The X-Files. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his big thing. He also wrote and directed Final Destination and Final Destination 3. I don't know why he didn't do 2. I don't know. I feel like that was a reason. I, I just don't remember. Mm-hmm. Uh, or at the very least, he wrote 4-3. Um, he also wrote 21 Jump Street, the show. With uh, Johnny Depp. Which was with Johnny Depp. It was Hell Johnny yeah. Depp's like, first big break thing mm-hmm. like right around the same time as nightmare on elm street or after that but it was like when he got big as like yeah. a leading man uh james wong also wong not Wan. Yeah. <laughs> wong uh also wrote it he and glenn morgan worked th- on x-files together as well so both of them were like the impetus for the remake itself mm-hmm. um there's also uh, horror in Glenn Morgan's past with a 2003 remake of this movie, Willard, which I think is a Stephen King 
story or it was a horror movie mm-hmm. earlier but it bombed mm, okay. uh, and he has a couple of quotes later on about its failure and just how he's like man if i bomb one more time it'll be the end of my shit and like and it kind of is do well yeah um who's his wife so um his wife is Kristen cloak who plays <coughs> lee in this movie lee lay i think it's lee it's lay Fuck. I'm just kidding. It's Lee. <laughs> um, so we'll get a little bit more into her when we get into the cast of characters. She's badass. I love She's Lee. She's awesome. But yeah, like Matt was saying, he after Willard was like, man, if I bomb another movie, it's going to be like the end of my career. And then after Black Christmas 2006, he hasn't really directed much except for a couple episodes of The X-Files. Yeah, and I think that was mostly for like a ceremony thing. Like The X-Files came back a couple years ago on Fox for like a... I don't even know if it's still on, but it came back for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, and he directed a couple of those, but I think that was mostly just because it's like, well, you made the X-Files, so like you might as well write the new pilot or, or whatever. Yeah. I'm butchering the shit out of the X-Files. Like, I know it's this massive landmark, like, sci-fi and, like, vague supernaturally horror-y, like, TV show, like, basic cable TV show that, like... I know so many people that love it, mm-hmm. and I've just, like, never watched it, so I'm just like, yeah, the X-Files, <laughs> like, just offhandedly, like, this guy is probably legendary, it's probably like if, um, I always forget the guy that, uh, Gene Roddenberry, who Ooh, made Star Trek, yeah. it's like if he just, on an offhand, like, directed a Western, mm-hmm. like, for no reason, it's like, that's why this one alone should get people's respect it's like this guy clearly cares a lot about building tension and suspense and driving character as well so he's gonna put that into his slasher even yeah. if it seems like why the hell would he care about black christmas mm-hmm. <laughs> which it seemed like i think was all a weinstein strategy because again they know how to make horror movies quote unquote yeah so they like to edit them without people knowing they like to push very aggressively for Extra Revision, gore. Yeah, extra gore, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, script rewrites, ending rewrites. Like, oh, well, people won't get this ending, or, or this or that. And they're like, change it. Like, Curse of Michael Myers. They're like, change yep. the ending. Um, when In this case, it seemed like this movie was doomed before it even came out because of its marketing. Mm-hmm. Um, which we'll get after we get into production. But I think that was 100% a Weinstein decision. So this financial and critical failure, I feel like, is unfair to Glenn Morgan because he didn't have it. It wasn't his fault. Yeah. Well, and you can tell that he really did care about Black Christmas because he also got um, Bob Clark to yeah. co-produce it, the original director, um, who also directed A Christmas Story. I feel like that just needs yeah. to be said. So <laughs> I always think it's hilarious thinking about that because there's a line in A Christmas Story after Ralphie like shoots his eye out and his he he makes up some lie that an icicle fell and hit him in the face, mm-hmm. and his mom's like, "Oh man, those icicles have been known to kill people." And then in the original Black Christmas, there was like an icicle, like an allusion to an icicle kill, but it mm-hmm. didn't actually they didn't actually use it. And in this movie, they There's made an that overt one, yeah. So I'm like, it's a full circle. <laughs> Uh, he also co-produced it, um, Bob Clark co-produced the movie. Mm-hmm. So he had suggestions and input throughout the whole process to the director. So that's like, if anyone can ever actually legitimately complain about a remake's uh, 
lack of originality. It's like the creator was more or less helping to make the movie. Like this mm-hmm. is more or less ho- like Black Christmas is Halloween 2018. Yeah. It could yeah, more or less it could have been that. Uh but um he he's always gone on record to say that he liked it. Mm-hmm. Like well, yeah, he, he's a huge advocate for the movie because he thinks it's very much in a similar vein. It's just exploring a different aspect of right. his original story. Yeah. Because he was he was too busy inventing the modern slasher exactly. to go into the subplot of this peeping tom killer or mm-hmm. why he did anything or the nature of his his uh, his psychosis. Yeah, he was just like I'm just trying to write this murder mystery. Mm-hmm. Like, give me a break. Like he didn't have the time to like go get into all of this. So I think that he was really into the fact that they. They pay. They obviously paid respect to the characters because this is a mostly, I mean, ninety-eight percent female cast. Yes. Um, and they're all written, surprise, surprise, authentically, like real people. Because hey. and which is why they're like so likable. It's weird. It's mm-hmm. so odd that you would do that. <laughs> you could just write a normal ass character and people would like them. Um, but because of that, I feel like there's a lot of um, like. They they still they didn't sacrifice that mm-hmm. in the 2000s, despite casting uh, people that the director considered like were making Black Christmas with the cast of essentially like 90210. Mm-hmm. Like okay, and then he really really tried to make that work. Yeah. So I think that Bob Clark appreciated that at the very least, and then forgave the gingerbread men made out of skin scenes later. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to those. So, uh, Matt, who else produced this movie? I'm, okay, so I'm so glad you asked. Uh, so, at first, because we watched the credits, and I freaked out, because I'm like, wait a minute, Mark Cuban? Like, Shark Tank's Mark Cuban? <laughs> yes. So he's a producer on this movie, if only in the way that, like, a producer has his name on something. Mm-hmm. Like, production companies have, like, executive producers. So... The I always find it weird that like some of the first names you see in the credits of a movie had the littlest to do with making the movie. Sometimes yep. uh, they just give the money and mm-hmm. they like they distribute the movie and stuff. So Mark Cuban is Canadian, first of all, and this movie was shot in Canada and mm-hmm. created in Canada. So he has a Canadian uh, HDTV network um, that he has a media company. Uh, called 2929 that he quote-unquote established with some guy named Todd Wagner uh, back in like the Mm mid-2000s. So he probably thought he just might as well have a movie studio too as an offshoot of his network. Um, And I would wager had no idea that this movie was being made. Yeah. But yeah, his name's on it, so that's pretty cool. (laughs) Um. They also dedicated this movie to composer Shirley Walker. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was her last movie as a composer before she passed away. Right. Um, she's her um, accolades kind of surprised you. She's had you. some really <laughs> great works. Um, she worked on the Dark Man movie. She worked on the TV shows Batman Beyond, uh, and both Superman and the Batman animated series. So if you just think about the opening from Batman the animated series, she's the right. composer who did that. Like I was impressed by that, but I always think about the intro of Batman Beyond. Mm-hmm. Plus, do you remember how like creepy and gothic the music for Darkman was? Yeah, she did all that. And to kind of go on the other side of her career, she also did a Goofy movie, <laughs> which definitely means that she 
probably helped write, if not wrote herself, that not Michael Jackson song at mm-hmm. the end that everyone loves so much. Oh, yeah. So thanks, Shirley Walker, for that. But yeah, this was her last movie composing before she passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, movie was shot entirely in Canada in less than a month, which anytime a movie says that they made it in like two weeks or whatever, I know that's like not completely out of the ordinary. Mm-hmm. I know it's, you know, that's not impossible. But it really gives me a lot of anxiety thinking about how, like, there's probably so much planning before that to make sure that you can just get two weeks. And then for something like, I don't know, COVID, Mm -hmm. to just be like, nope. And then you're like, months of planning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It was shot mostly, I mean, the movie's in a blackout in a sorority house Mm -hmm. on a college campus on the eve of Christmas break. Um, so, like, likewise, there's going to be a lot of interesting cinematography and lighting techniques for the whole thing, which is why I'm saying, like, the detail in the preparation had to be extended. They must have already shot the movie pretty much, like, on storyboards already, Mm -hmm. and just had to have actors there, put them in front of the cameras that are, like, already designated. Yeah. Um, but it's worth it, man. The cinematography in the movie's great. Really the lighting nice. is awesome. Yeah. It's all like Christmas lights for mm-hmm. the most part because it's this blackout. Yeah, so... these string Christmas lights. Yeah, and it's it suits the ambience very, very well. It suits the like low visibility of a slasher very well while still yeah. keeping it relatively like I don't know, it's the winter vibe is great. Like obviously it's snowing outside and you got the light's inside, but it's dark, and there's a killer inside. It's, so, like, where you should be safe from the outside because of the snow. Now you're not. This is, like, basic dumb shit film theory. Mm-hmm. Just like... <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the movie was released on Christmas Day of 2006 to some outcry. Um, some? I, I read a, there was a lot of it. <laughs> from what yeah, I read, there was yeah. a great deal of it. <laughs> Um, and people theorize that part of the reason it failed at the box office was due to a drop-off of interest after the actual day of Christmas, because after Christmas happens, everyone's been going through Christmas for a month and yeah. a half. You don't really ever think about that. Like, movies that come out on Christmas tend to not be Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. It's just, like, a good way to have that movie make money over winter yeah. when nothing is there. Like, Disney... Before them, Star Wars and, you know, the Harry Potter movies. They like to put big movies out then. Well, like, say, nothing's and out for um, 2012 and 2014, the Les Mis movie and Into the Woods both released oh, yeah. on Christmas. Uh, Tweets Hot, I think, was also Christmas in, like, 07 or 08, oh, whenever yeah. that came out. So, yeah, they, they love doing that shit because mm-hmm. it makes a lot of money. And But this case, maybe don't do it. Yeah. <laughs> Like I would say, the best time for this movie would be like right, like Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, this one make in it come early out Thanksgiving November. weekend. It's perfect. Yeah, especially because a lot of the outcry was like Christian groups who were like, "This is not, you know, th- I, we don't like this." But I think that's just for like the publicity sense because I feel like that outcry is very small mm-hmm. and vocal, 
and they just want to blame why they didn't make many money yeah. on something when in reality, again, the Weinstein's just didn't distribute it correctly. Yeah, and decided that a movie on you know about Christmas with Christmas in the name should come out on Christmas, the last day Christmas is relevant for a year. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Considered a massive box office bomb at the time. It still grossed $3 million more than the 2019 remake. And I just put that in to be petty. Yeah. <laughs> uh, despite the fact that the 2019 version also cost $4 million less to make, but we know why that is. Because Blumhouse, Blumhouse. made it. Which is not a bad thing. No. They Blumhouse, just make cheap movies because yeah, they know they'll make money. They make cheap movies because they work. <laughs> yeah. It's working for them. They're oh, becoming absolutely. like they're becoming the new like they're royal a family. Conglomerate. Yeah, yeah. Please hire us, Blumhouse. We yeah. take back everything we <laughs> said about you. Um, yeah, I also thought it was interesting that it was rumored at some point during the production the film would be rated PG PG thirteen. Which is a huge thing for highly anticipated movies before they come out is mm -hmm. what's the rating gonna be? Usually especially it's about in horror. Yeah, horror, especially lately superhero movies, it's been the thing yeah. like, oh, is Venom gonna be R? And then when it's not, when it's not R, everyone freaks out. Mm -hmm. In this case, it was the opposite. Yeah. It was theorized to have a PG thirteen rating, and then Dimension Films was like, oh, don't worry, it's rated R. Yeah. Um. Coincidentally, the second in-name-only Black Christmas remake was really was rated PG-13, and that caused fan black backlash. Naturally. But then the fans saw the movie. But anyway, we're moving on. <laughs> we're not talking about Black no, Christmas 2019. I literally, that. as I said, I'm like, you're supposed to be positive. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a reason we don't talk about it, because we can't be positive. Yes. Um, so after the Black Christmas 2006 remakes, critical and financial failure. Um, the creator of the original Bob the one-two punch. Critical and financial yeah, failure. Hurts. It's like, it's like not only does your film not make money, it's bad. Yeah. Like, you're a bad artist, too. It's like, ugh. <laughs> oh. uh, original creator Bob Clark began working on a straight-up sequel to his original film with Clark directing it and um, Olivia Hussey and John Saxon reprising their roles from the original film. Yeah, Olivia Hussey was... Um, we talked about her on the, the It episode, because she's... Mm -hmm. uh, what's his name? Bill, his wife, girlfriend? Part, he's, she's his partner mm -hmm. in the adult part of It. Yeah. In the miniseries mm -hmm. version in the 90s. Um, however, his untimely passing prevented the idea from ever coming to fruition. Yeah, he he died like the year after that, like early. Yeah, not too long after. Yeah, this. like it, it probably would be within Six a couple months, months so, of this movie coming out. Um, I mean, he was old, so yeah, he was he was very old, very old man. Uh, all right, we're gonna talk about the Weinstein's. Yeah. Okay, so um, Glenn Morgan and the Weinstein brothers, both Harvey and Bob, reportedly often clashed during the filming due to their insistence the film be more gory, which Morgan did not want. Because, again, he really liked Bob Clark's version. Bob mm -hmm. Clark's version has almost no blood in it. I was like, it's very tasteful. Yeah, it's just like Halloween. Mm -hmm. And that's because John Carpenter saw Black Christmas and was totally inspired by that. Yep. And both have gone on record saying that, so that's not just like... Mm -hmm. That's not speculation. No, that's no, that's, true. that's fact. Both of them have said that. Um, but one egregious example, as we Roni sort of talked about, uh, is the cannibalistic tendencies of the killers. 
Because there's two killers in yes. this movie. There's not just one. That's another um, deviation addition that the Weinsteins uh, had. But mm-hmm. I actually kind of like uh, one of which of these uh, egregious tendencies was Billy making flesh gingerbread men out of his mother's skin. Which was not in the original script. And I wonder sh- why it wasn't in there. <laughs> it was only shoehorned into the film to make it gorier. Now, in brief defense of this, because I do want to have a positive spin on this for some people that really like gore. Because mm-hmm. I appreciate gore. I appreciate gore like this especially. Okay. Um, for two reasons. The first being, any time that you make a movie with gore, I want there to be a reason for it. Yes. So, Eli Roth tends to do it terrifier is a is a good example i think of it because it's supposed to upset you like mm-hmm. the 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 gore is a tool in the scene in the horror scene to be the thing that frightens you or that mm-hmm. makes you upset so like there's a specific reason most movies use that type of stuff so i appreciate that because it's like it tells me this is what we want you to focus on mm-hmm. um take the remake of evil dead the last yeah. 20 minutes is the climax. So they made it rain blood, blood. to make sure you were paying attention. <laughs> and it's badass, man. Oh, God, it's so good. But the other reason I really like gore, especially in this case, is Christmas horror, especially. I think the big market for it is you're taking something that is not scary at all and you're, like, perverting it on a completely, like, opposite end. Mm-hmm. And not in, like, a fun, cute way like Nightmare Before Christmas, where it's, like, a splicing of aesthetics. It's, like, a straight-up, like, it's, like, if you hated Christmas so much and wanted no one to be able to appreciate the imagery ever again. Mm-hmm. As such, you would take a uh, cookie cutter in the shape of a gingerbread man and uh, stab it onto somebody's back to make flesh cookies. Because that would probably ruin your perceptions of that forever. Yeah. It creates kind of an antithesis of what was originally thought. So maybe that's just, like, the chaotic part of me that really likes and appreciates when someone does Christmas horror that way. Because, like, some part of you, like, even in, like, your old back of your mind, like, remembers being a kid and loving Christmas. Mm -hmm. And now you're an adult who's like, oh, shit, this is entertaining, too. But then, like, it hits something, like Mm -hmm. a weird little part of you. And I feel like this does that very well. So if you're looking for a horror movie to kind of frighten you or offset you, I think that that is where that works. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work here because the movie is already really good and Christmas aesthetic enough, mm-hmm. and it's a little overkill. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because it's, like, right after the incest, and you're like, can we go back to normal? Can we go back to the the girls? Can I get back to Glenn Morgan's Black Christmas, yeah. please? <laughs> So, yeah, and there's also, you know, the killers have gouged out eyeballs and eat eat them. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't know about the regular version, but at least in the unrated, it is from pop-out to ingestion. They do not cut away, so you see all of it. Yeah. Which is intense. Like, and I'm saying that, and (laughs) iStuff doesn't really bother me. I know iStuff gets, like, Kevin hates it. A lot of people don't like iStuff, and I totally understand that. This time, it's fine, because I'm like... Come on, it's like jelly. What the fuck? Yeah. Like, it looks all weird. Um, you want to talk about the trailer scenes? Uh, yeah. So, um, in um, s- s- infamy at this point, um, the Weinstein's um had a major false advertising 
<laughs> scandal with this movie because they filmed footage just for the trailer that never was intended for the film. Yeah. It's not like a deleted scene that they chose to take out during the editing process. They filmed it just for promotional material. Right. Acting as if it's a part of the scene. Yeah. Um, because... Well, and didn't they hire some girl... Specifically this for the poor house. woman, I'm sure didn't know that she was just getting hired yeah. to film trailer stuff because she was an up and coming actress. Her name was Jillian uh, Murray, um, and she was brought in to film on Black Christmas, and she was probably so excited. Right. Um, and then she later finds out that it's just for a trailer. Yeah. So and and it's stuff that like, again, the Weinstein's get that Christmas horror aspect because the scenes they added in were just like. Winter, Winter and kills. Christmas kills, yeah. which are cool. I'm I'm all for those. Uh, they had her like wife snow off of a frozen pond to see someone who's under the ice, mm-hmm. um, and uh, she's also seen falling off the roof, tangled in Christmas lights. Um, which I'm glad that that ended up being put in a movie because that's in the remake of Child's Play. Mm-hmm. I think it's really cool. Um, but yeah, it's just. I mean, I'm all for stuff in the trailer that's not exactly. In it. I was like, I'm all for tweaks to keep right. things hidden. Right. Because, like, just... without spoiling anything, of course, we've seen the new Scream movie, mm-hmm. and in the trailers, something was in a different scene, like, lines were in a different scene than they actually are in the movie, because they want you to... They don't want you to know the beats of the actual movie. Yeah, and yeah. they just want to intrigue you enough to bring you right. in to see the I am thing. all for that, especially mm-hmm. because movies nowadays, and horror movies are doing it a lot too, and I'm like, don't do it. Where they just show you pretty much every beat for beat of the entire plot, mm-hmm. and unless it's Mortal Kombat, I don't want to see more of the same shit I just saw in the trailer. Yeah. I only say that because we're looking at a poster of the basement. <laughs> but, you know, like in um, Pet Cemetery. Mm-hmm. Like they revealed the twist yeah. in the trailer, and I'm like, "Well, I've already seen Pet Cemetery, and you've just showed me everything about this movie that's different. Like, yeah. why would I want to go see the new one?" Uh, so I will defend that a little bit, but um, I do see how people would be upset. Yeah, <laughs> particularly if you're that actress, and we're like, "What the fuck?" Yeah. <laughs> so in. We've mentioned several times Glenn Morgan took this one-two punch of the critical financial failure as the end of his career. Uh, he also has reportedly disowned the film entirely, which is a shame. I hate when directors do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, in response to the question on whether or not he was happy with the results, he said, quote, No way. And it's schizophrenic. Interesting word choice. Bold choice. It's schizophrenic because Bob Weinstein came in and urinated on it. Really, there was a time where torture porn was the hot thing. You know, I became friends with Bob Clark. You can throw that movie into one of your first questions. I loved that movie, and I also loved A Christmas Story. And I've learned a lot from Bob and had his blessing that we were trying to make a version that he didn't get to deal with the background of the killers and stuff like that. When Bob Weinstein came in, and saw that, he was like, we need to drag Michelle Trachtenberg down the hall by her eyes. And I was like, oh lord. And I talked to my agent and lawyer, and Kristen, his wife. Uh, it was humiliating. It was horrible. I stayed to try to protect the cast and crew, friends of mine, and ended up taking it on the chin. So he was the only thing, and I think that's the reason that the set seemed like such a huge departure from this production bullshit. 
mm-hmm. because on the set, and we'll talk about it in a second here with the actresses, it seemed like a great time. It yeah. seemed like very safe. Everyone was very comfortable with everything that was happening. As I, it definitely feels like um, Glenn was acting as the in-between of, I'm not going to let my actors and right. crew experience the shit I'm getting from the company. That's such a fucking good director. And I know you've, I mean, both of us have had theater experience, you obviously more so, mm-hmm. but having an, like, without a, a director needing to tell you how much they care, that's how they show they care. Exactly. Like, that's a, the mark of a really good, you're just manager, just person mm-hmm. that, like, is looking out for people. They're like, you know... I'm the director, I'm the one that's supposed to deal with this, they shouldn't have to deal with this. Like, mm-hmm. they're just the actors, they're yeah. just the cinematographers. Yeah, they've got enough on their plate right yeah. now. Yeah, like, leave it to me to tell them what we're doing in a nicer way, because I'm going to treat them with respect instead of just being like, do this, it's our movie. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's disrespectful, first of all. Especially if it's just to someone who's just, like, trying to work the cameras. It's like, okay, you're just the guy giving me the money. You're not the director. Yeah. You know? Knowing hierarchy, I feel like, is a a mature thing to do in the business. Mm-hmm. Um, on the whole experience, uh, Glenn Morgan was again quoted as saying, I felt that a $10 million movie of Black Christmas didn't need anyone's help. And they should have just left us alone. But they had, but they had to have the two killers, and then they were after kids from the OC. We compromised a lot. Um, so again, it sounds like he's like, I didn't need all this money to make a good movie. I was making mm-hmm. a good movie anyway. Um, but yeah, his the line about the kids from the OC. The OC is like nine hundred two one zero ish. I would say it's like pre. It's like around the era of Dawson's Creek. I think it's yeah. I think it's it was like the less popular or more like. I don't know, like, cooler Dawson's Creek. Like, mm-hmm. Dawson's Creek, I don't know about it. I'm assuming it's cool, but it's, like, Scream. It's, like, Scream era. Because wasn't weren't those movies filmed on the same sets? Because there's all these Dawson's were. Creek jokes yeah. <laughs> in, like, the in Scream 3 and in the new one and Scary Movie. I love that spell about it. Yeah. I'm not sure. But anyway, like, this one seems more 2000s. Mm-hmm. It's a little... I don't want to say edgier, because it's going to seem... It. You remember our whole conversation about Underworld yes. being like the 2000s edge? Mm-hmm. That's what this seemed like. Because okay. Katie Cassidy is someone, who, I think, who was guested on that show. Mm-hmm. But it's all those type of people. Which is a great segue, I think, that we can talk about all the women in the cast. Yes. Let's do it. Um, first of all, everyone in this movie is great. Yes. Most of them. Uh, I don't know about the killers, but all of the girls did their own stunts. Mm-hmm. Which is impressive, because this movie's very physical. Yeah. I mean, all these women were young and athletic. They're all, like... They all pretty much, in any other movie, would have been final girls. Mm-hmm. But they were all just put in here. Put in together, yeah. So, like, they know what they're doing. They're all mm-hmm. professionals. Especially in terms of horror. Yes. <laughs> um, most of the sorority sisters in the film were named after famous singers who made memorable Christmas songs. Um, Kelly Presley is one of... I don't... Okay. I don't remember all of their faces with their names mm-hmm. all the time, especially because it's been a little bit since we've watched it. Yeah. In full disclosure. Yeah. <laughs> we had to record this episode because I fucked up. Yeah. Um, but all of these women we will talk about when we get to the characters, and I feel like more will come back to be then. Yeah. Um, but Kelly Presley, obviously Elvis Presley. Um, Melissa Kitt is Eartha Kitt. I don't know who that is. You don't know who Eartha Kitt is? No. Look at me. Do you know the old Batman series? 
Eartha Kitt was Catwoman. She also had a singing career. Wait, you're talking about like the Adam West one? Yeah. Oh, I didn't. I I didn't actually watch it, but I also didn't know. That's fair. Uh, well, Dana Mathis is Johnny Mathis, and I've heard of that guy. Uh, I've also heard of Bing Crosby, who Claire Crosby is named after. Oh, Bing Crosby. Um, Lee Colvin, who we talked about earlier, she is named after Sean Colvin, and she has a sister in the in the sorority. I don't remember her name, but obviously Colvin. Mm-hmm. Megan Helms, Bobby Helms, might as well be. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, Heather Lee Fitzgerald, she gets Brenda Lee and Ella Fitzgerald. And uh, Barbara McHenry is uh, Andrea Martin. She doesn't count because she isn't a famous singer. Yeah, she's from the old movie. Yeah. Well, she also is a singer. Yes. She, isn't she a Broadway person? Yeah, she's been on Broadway a couple times. What's she done? Uh, most recently, she, I think, unless she did something that I don't remember about, is she did the Pippin revival. Oh, right. Yes, 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 yes. Because she was uh, succeeded by, um, oh, I can't think of her real name. Uh, her real name? Janet, not Janet. Um, the receptionist from Ghostbusters. Oh! Janine Melitz. Janine, yes, of course. I can't think of her actual name right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll take it away. Who's Kelly Presley? So Kelly Presley is played by Katie Cassidy. Love who, Katie Cassidy. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, you're a big fan. Well, just because I mean, she's not in everything yeah. I've ever seen. <laughs> um, she's She's been in... Uh, a pr- she's had a pretty good career in the past decade. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's why I'm like, good for her. Yeah, she's doing really well. She was in the When a Stranger Calls remake. She was in Arrow. She was in the Nightmare on Elm Street remake. That's right. Um, she was in Click. Yeah, I guess. I don't remember. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't seen Click in years either. So. Me neither. Um, she was in Supernatural, so all you... The supernatural fans out there Me. can have fun <laughs> yeah, with that. I, I looked this up, and it's a, it's a straight-up thing on the trivia. She is one of 19 other cast members in this movie that have been on Supernatural. Good God. And she was, like, a main character in Supernatural for at least a season. Mm-hmm. She replaced the character that uh, Jared Padalecki ended up marrying the actress of. Amazing. Because in that show, it's easy because demons can just possess anybody. Mm-hmm. So you can change the casting at any time and just be like, oh, well, I took a new vessel. Yeah. And that's who Katie Cassidy was. Amazing. It was new Ruby. Uh, but yeah, she also did Melrose Poison Gossip Girl. So like mm-hmm. all of the all the stuff. Yeah. And so like if anyone has seen any of those things and has either seen her or knows the vibe of those things, that's exactly the type of character throughout this movie. Mm-hmm. Strong-willed mid-2000s woman fighting with other mid-2000s women about what they should do to not get murdered. Yes. So they're all great actresses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, the part of Kelly Presley almost went to uh, Amanda Seyfried. Oh, yeah! But they specifically didn't want two girls from Mean Girls in the movie. It's And great. as you'll see, we'll have... <laughs> Another cast member from Mean Girls later on. I don't remember her name, but she's got the one line that's like, why don't you bury the hatchet? Because she's, you know, bitching about somebody. She's like, I'd love to bury the hatchet in her head. I'm like, aha! (laughs) (laughs) Um, Amanda Seyfried, it's okay she wasn't in this, because I think this very same year, if not the year before, she was in Jennifer's body. Yeah, it was around the same time. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love Jennifer's body so much. 
I can't wait to cover it one day, but we're going to have to do, like, two parts about it. Oh, yeah. Because I want to, like, get into why it's so fucking good and why mm-hmm. Megan Fox, like, is championing it still. Yeah. Like, it's not a great movie, but it fucking rules. Uh, speaking of Michelle Trachtenberg, she oh, was on yeah. Buffy, right? Yeah, she was. <laughs> yeah, she was Buffy's little sister from seasons five through seven. Yeah, she's Melissa in this movie, who has one of the worst deaths. Yeah. Though it's better than what it would have been with the Weinstein right. cut. I just, yeah. 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 <laughs> and, like, again, we have the unrated version, and that version's really fucked up. Mm-hmm. The, the things we read about what they cut from the movie, I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like reading about the first draft of the Gremlins movie. I don't know if you ever heard about that. No. But, um, uh, what's his name? Tom Holland, I think, did that movie, too. Yeah. Not, Not, obviously, Spider-Man Tom, Tom Holland, yeah. but Child's Play Tom Holland mm-hmm. did Gremlins. I'm 90% sure That sounds did. right, yeah. Um, so, and, like, the first draft, of, or the first, like, idea of it, it was, like, uh, it was, like, Critters. Like, it was a horror oh, okay, movie. yeah. Like, they killed people more explicitly, and it was, like, bloodier, and then they're, like, no, yeah. we can't do that. It's gotta be fun. <laughs> Um, yeah, but talk about Michelle Trachtenberg. So yeah, Michelle Trachtenberg was in Buffy. She was in the Inspector Gadget movies with Matthew Broderick. Um, she was in Seventeen again, and it, she was in um, Disney's Ice Princess mm-hmm. along with an actress from Saw Two. Yeah, the woman who actually died of the gas mm-hmm. in the in the house. I don't remember well, her name either. And what's kind of fun about that is in this movie she dies by an ice skate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I read that she also. Because there's a lot of uh, trivia about just these women on set mm-hmm. and just them building their character. Like, they did a lot of interviews with them, which is how I know they're all, like, really into this movie. Because them talking about their characters, like, even the people that didn't get a lot of screen time. Like, I don't remember Melissa's character a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but she got, like, really into reading about serial killers mm-hmm. when they were on set. And she'd research them, like, between She's takes. She's definitely listening to true crime podcasts these days. Oh, my God. I, I, that'd be great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's cool because um, when we get into the actual inspiration for the killer, uh, when we talk about Billy, the, mm-hmm. the killer, um, she was reading about one of the serial killers that inspired the creation of this killer, uh, Ed Kemper. So that must have been interesting for her to, like, re- be reading, and she's like, oh, yeah, we're all of the victim. Like, we're mm-hmm. the target victim demographic. Like, yeah. all, all of us are, oh, young sorority girl, you know, clearly has some sort of, like, confidence that offsets someone that has, like, mother issues. Like, all of these things, and she's like, if we, pl- guys, if we play this up, like, it'll work more. Mm-hmm. You know, so I just love that as an environment for actors, especially in a horror movie, yeah. where it's just fun. Mm-hmm. Like, you should have fun making a horror movie, yes. man. Um, speaking of fun and careers that are fortuitous, Mary Elizabeth Winstead plays Heather in this. Everyone's seen her in something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sky High. Yes. Scott Pilgrim. Uh, the New Birds of Prey. Uh, she was in Final Destination 3 by Glenn Morgan. Like, right, right before, before this. this. Uh, he cornered her in the airport as they were leaving to, like, beg her to do it. Because he wanted her to be in the movie, but she was, like, I was just... She was just the final girl in Final Destination 3. She's mm-hmm. like, I kind of don't want to do the same thing. And uh, I guess we can say it now. 
But um, it's a slasher movie, so spoilers. Most of these women are going to die. Yeah. Mary Elizabeth Winston is one of those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, which is a surprise, because again, you'd anticipate her to like live longer. But mm-hmm. she only did it because uh, she was going to die. And because she was a big fan of the original movie. That's true. Uh, she also did something that I would totally fucking do if I was in a horror movie. Where during breaks between sets, because again, this was a remake, so everyone's mm-hmm. fucking freaking out about it. She would go on message boards and read comments on the idea of the original film being remade, remade um, and just would get entertained by all the hate and outrage. So, like, it makes me think that everything I've ever said about the remake of Black Chris, the new, new one, like, just makes them stronger. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's what we can do, is just to take the power away from them. Because this movie truly is great. And well, yeah, some people and... just hate remakes because they're remakes. Well, and I think what she could also kind of laugh about with that was that they had Bob Clark there to yeah. help them. So it wasn't just like an egregious remake. Right. It was a continuation of or yeah. a deep dive into the original story. So it wasn't just remake for money. It was a remake to tell the story in a different way. Right. Which I think is probably the big complaint was just, oh, they're just remaking it because it's famous. And she was like, nah, no. I feel like the Weinsteins were the only time there was ever, and Sony, are the only times movies are ever, like, remade or, like, made again just to keep rights or make money. Mm. Because in every other aspect, yes, of course that happens. But they're like, we might as well make it good and, like, revitalize the franchise. Mm -hmm. So, like, when they want to remake Candyman, because Clive Barker just got the rights back, like, two or three years ago, Mm -hmm. he immediately, you know, when when Jordan Peele was like, can we make Candyman again? He'd be like, yes, absolutely. Like, Mm -hmm. because it wasn't just to make a movie and make money. It was like, you have a great idea. Go for it. Yeah. You know, um, I feel like the only reason that John Carpenter did this new Scream at all, not Scream, Halloween at all, was because it, they really proved that they cared. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, we'll do this. And Blumhouse yeah. was like, you can make it for $5 million, we'll, we'll fund it. We'll do it. <laughs> you know, so it's just like any other time that a movie is remade, I get it's almost never because it's to retain rights. And even if it is, it's they're trying to do something with it. Because if they just made the same movie, you would hate it. Yeah. And if they did anything different, you would hate it. Exactly. So in this case, like, Mary Elizabeth Winstead's sitting there reading, like, how dare they talk about, like, who cares about the background of the kid? Like, no one cares. And then she's, like, sitting next to Bob Clark, and she's like, is this bad or egregious? He's like, no, I wish I could have done that. Yeah. So it's like, your argument is completely invalid. (laughs) All right. Who's next? <laughs> um, next we have Lauren, played by uh, Yang K. Crystal Lowe, who was in uh, Final Destination 3 with Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Yeah. She's one of the two women that dies in the uh, tanning bed. Very famous kill. Oh, yeah. yeah. And the other one, that blonde one, she's mm-hmm. in the It miniseries with Olivia Hussey. That's right. So, boom. Full circles. <laughs> um, she was also in Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Ooh, um, throwback. Yeah, okay. Um, wrong Turn 2, Snakes on a Plane, and the Sign Seal Delivered franchise. Okay, two things before we talk about Lacey Chabert. Um, first of all, Snakes on a Plane. I learned yesterday when we went to go see Scream in that like little trivia thing at the beginning of the movie that Samuel L. Jackson threatened to stop, like he was threatened to walk off of Snakes on a Plane. 
because they were considering changing the name. Because the only reason he said yes was because of the name. Really? Like, he's like, snakes on a plane? I'm in. Fucking love it. Like, I love that. Like, yes, exactly what it is. And then they're like, no, we're going to change it to, like, some, I don't know, some, like, real title. And he's Mm -hmm. like, don't you fucking dare change that title. I will leave if you change that. Like, I don't know how serious it was, but it was probably like, it's snakes on a plane, okay? That's what this movie is. Anyway, I just wanted to share that because I fucking read that and laughed (laughs) for, like, five minutes. Just picturing him, like, excuse me? I just got this memo. We're changing the movie to, um, like, flight like 666 but it's like you know it's like no it's snakes on a plane or I walk (laughs) (laughs) anyway yeah that science delivered franchise Mm -hmm. Um, we talked about uh, Eric Mabius the guy from Resident Evil and uh, The Crow Salvation yes he's also in this science sealed delivered franchise interesting and i talked to mcguire about it because he's the expert source on hallmark christmas movies uh-huh. that uh, that is not tori lynn and i asked him about silence and delivery and i'm like do you know this guy like is he a main character he's like oh yeah and the way he explains sign sealed delivered it's like they're the avengers and they just do like different holiday movies different tv shows and just movies and like christmas specials but it's like the same family or like core cast of characters. Interesting. And I looked it up because after this woman, I wanted to see anybody else. There's like mm-hmm. four more people in that that also did horror in the past. And then we're like, I'm going to retire. Just do Hallmark movies from here to eternity. <laughs> what a life that must be. Honestly. <laughs> I wish. So Dana is played by Lacey Chabert. What's her name in Mean Girls again? She's one uh, of the Mean she Girls. She is with Gretchen. Amanda Sy- Gretchen. She's Gretchen Wieners. Yeah, it's unfortunate for Gretchen Wieners. Um, uh, she was also from something that's a little closer to me. She yeah, was the please. voice of Gwen Stacy in the Spectacular Spider-Man uh, animated series. That's true. We looked that up uh, when you were finishing the show, mm-hmm. uh, and I remember looking at the voice cast. And I'm like, wait, holy shit! <laughs> it's Loki stacked. But it's stacked with people that, like, so Spectacular Spider-Man was, like, obviously when we were kids. But, like, they cast people that were, like, in the high school movies that were around when we were kids Mm -hmm. to play these high school characters. I love that shit. It's so cool. So Kristen Cloak, director's wife, Mm -hmm. she's Lee. Uh, She was in the original Final Destination. Um, I think we might have a, a Mia Djokovic situation where it's like husband and wife act, uh, actor and director that work together all mm-hmm. the time. Because uh, she's done pretty much everything that I have seen her husband do. Uh, Space Above, Beyond. Uh, I think she was in an episode of, the, of uh, X-Files or two. Makes sense. And um, this was the last thing that she made for about 11 years. Um, I think because her and Glenn Morgan were raising their daughter, mm. who was on set uh, earlier. We'll, we'll get to that story yes. later. Uh, until she was in Ladybird in 2017. I love the way that I always never confidently say the year of a movie. <laughs> and I look at you for like any sign that what I'm saying is like horribly wrong. Because mm-hmm. I'm, you know, we're the podcast. They trust us. Yeah. <laughs> Don't always trust us. We're not always right. I we're promise. We're not always correct. <laughs> Uh, right, you want to talk about Andrew Martin? Yeah, so Andrew Martin plays uh, Miss Mac. 
who is her original character from the original Black Christmas, which Glenn Morgan wanted to do to echo the original movie, was to bring someone back. Mm-hmm. Um, she was also in My Big Fat Greek Wedding, the yeah. movie version of Hedwig and the Angry Inch. And she voice acted for Jimmy Neutron in Kim Possible. Do you know who she was in those two shows? I have no idea who she was in Kim Possible. Who is she in Jimmy Neutron? Jimmy Neutron, isn't she the teacher? Yeah, yes. I think I told you that. <laughs> yeah, I think you yeah. did. Because I look, I'm like, no way. Yeah. <laughs> um, she's she's mom. She's mom in uh, Kim Possible. She's uh, Kim's mom. That makes a lot of Mrs. sense. Mrs. Possible. Mm-hmm. I never watched Kim Possible, so I don't actually know the names. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm aware that that show is popular, so I felt I would include Throw it. Throw it in there, yeah. All the Disney Channel stuff we have ever included, even if it seems like out of place, it's just because I'm like, I don't know Disney Channel, but I know a lot of people do, so I'm going to include this. Yeah. <laughs> like Ice Princess? I don't fucking know. But I'm like, Disney Channel, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe someone will know it. Um, uh, the only guy in the movie, aside from the killers. Yes. Uh, so Oliver Hudson plays Kyle. He's done uh, Nashville and Scream Queens since. Yeah. And... How he was chosen for this movie is the director's daughter was with him while they were doing auditions, and there was a lineup of the guys for the bo- for just the boyfriend yeah, guy, and so they kind of had a lineup, and she just pointed at him and went that one, yeah, and he got hired because their daughter was like six, mm-hmm. like it was a little girl that yeah. they brought in and just were like, like I don't even know what like I don't think parameters. They asked her. Yeah, I think, I think she just sh- pointed when. That one's right. And he was just like, you know yeah. what? That works. But I'm saying, like, they probably didn't tell her what they wanted. They probably mm-hmm. didn't say anything. Because that's how little Kyle matters. Yeah. Kyle is a red herring. Mm-hmm. And is the impetus of a pretty needless, like, love triangle between... Uh, I forgot about Kelly the Kelly and um, Lauren. Because mm-hmm. I remember Lauren's character is pretty much just that she's sleeping with Kyle. And then she dies. And I'm like... I want more from you yeah you know but to be fair final destination three wrong turn two snakes on a plane i'm gonna assume that she just dies in all of those so i don't know whatever makes her happy mm-hmm. science is delivered she's got that paycheck now <laughs> yes um but the other guy is a uh, dean friss who uh was a camera operator originally and uh he was cast as the new killer uh agnes after originally being cast as Billy, uh, despite having no prior acting experience. Mm-hmm. So that's the check mark for typical slasher Villain. guy. Yep. Is that it's just dude the director knows. Mm-hmm. Fills in the space <laughs> of holding the knife and the mask and being man that kills women. Yep. That's pretty much as much depth as slashers tend to have. Um, but he was cast as the second killer, Agnes, when uh, that one was written into the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk about her when we get to the killers in a bit. The two characters were to be interchangeable so as to confuse the audience during the film, much like the original Scream or you know any other movie where there's killers. Mm-hmm. It's kind of left up to the imagination of the audience to assume whoever is killing the person is probably a singular killer as opposed to multiple ones. Mm-hmm. In this case... The I I remember seeing through the mo as like why they were different is like Agnes kills people with a very specific like she does a lot of the same things when she kills them she takes out the eyes and eats them mm-hmm. 
Um, plus, I remember see- thinking that like Billy doesn't really kill anyone outside of the mental institution until he yeah. shows up straight up. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't know if this is him or not. But I didn't remember who it was, yeah. which was interesting. Um, what's that little fun fact about him? <laughs> so um, <laughs> so um, Dean Friss had trouble trying to create a female voice for the second character until he realized that um, both the actresses who played young Agnes and Billy's mother had huskier voices. Right, yeah. So he was able to blend a variation of their voices together to make something that worked i was talking about the cello oh i know i just wanted to throw (laughs) that in there first yes um but yeah so on set in between takes and like when they're just hanging out or having lunch dean would play his cello just to keep people entertained i like to believe he just brought along a cello and was like, when can I use this? Yeah. And then someone was like, do you have a cello? And then he yeah, just started playing, and he was amazing. So they just had him keep playing. And cello music is not like a guitar at a party. Mm-hmm. Like, it is something that everyone stops and, like, Listens watches. To, yeah. And, like, they're all, like, just in a, like around him. He's in the wig and the weird makeup playing the cello. Everyone's like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> So speaking of those killers, let's get into Billy and Agnes. Yes. Um, so the way that this movie is set up, it's the women that are living in a sorority house, the sorority mm-hmm. sisters, um, right before winter break. So most of them are gone. It's pretty much just the ones that live in the house uh, that are there, that are kind of on the way out, or they're staying for work or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's a transitionary period, so people are kind of getting lost in the shuffle, which is when the killings start. So this sorority house, um, kind of take the, the plot of the sorority house is kind of a, adjacent to this background plot, mm-hmm. which is the flashback of Billy and his whole origin that is told over a couple of different people's stories of like what the legend of him was. Uh-huh. So it's kind of like Rob Zombie's Halloween in that it shows you a lot about the the origins and the motivations of the killer mm-hmm. before just they kill people. Yeah. But unlike in Halloween, there's still a lot of attention given to that alternative storyline. Mm-hmm. Like Billy is not the main character of Black Christmas. The yeah. women are. Billy is like what's threatening these women and as they grow to understand it more, the more dangerous it almost becomes. Mm-hmm. So, Billy used to live in the house where the sorority sisters now live, before it was a sorority house. Um, and uh, it's based on the life of a real-life serial killer, Edmund Kemper, sort of. Um, this is where my expertise becomes helpful. Yep. And Edmund Kemper is a six-foot-five... Uh, Serial killer. He killed about, I think, five or six co-eds um, in, uh, Santa, in the fuck San Jose area in California okay. in the 70s. He would pick up hitchhikers or you know, he would just get women to trust him. And he would get them in the car and he would murder them horrifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was more so about his life growing up. Um, his mother was convinced that he was a, he was going to be a serial killer and that he was going to sexually assault his sisters because he was a big, scary child, I would imagine. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she would lock him in the basement, and he'd only be able to come out for meals. So that's kind of not good psychologically mm-hmm. yeah. for somebody. Um, 
and a lot of his resentment came like when he grew up and when he killed centered around his mother mm-hmm. and inevitably his murder spree ended with him brutally murdering his mother mm-hmm. um and he only really kills two women in this movie so his like mom rage hatred of women isn't really as justified as i feel like they want they wanted it to go yeah but um they definitely wanted to make a like what's the worst thing we could do to a person in childhood to make them into a serial killer Mm -hmm. uh so what are they what happens to him what what is what's Billy's life like? I've talked about the life it's based on. You talk about the fake okay. thing. Okay. So um, so Billy's whole thing starts with his mom and his dad not getting getting along about how his he mom is be a raped. horrible bitch. Oh my god, she's awful. Like she that is, is not straight up terrible. She is a bad woman. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so um, his dad ends up getting murdered. By his mom and her new boyfriend. Yeah. And Billy ends up seeing it, part of it, and they try to chase him, and they end up locking him up in the attic. Yeah. Well, and he spies on them through the walls. That's, like, how he kind of gets around, because Billy... Oh, shit, I didn't even talk about it. He's got jaundice. Yeah. Really, really bad yellowing of the skin and teeth. He likes to hide. Mm Mm-hmm. So what happens when he sees this murder? What do you mean? He watches this murder happen, and what fucking happens to him later? Well, hold on. Hold on. I got to make sure I'm still getting this right. So he gets locked in the attic. So he gets locked in the attic, and then they basically start, his mom and her new boyfriend start their their family all over again, Mm. and they end up having a daughter. Well, not exactly. Well, I I didn't want to get into this. We have to talk about it. I know we do. So (laughs) we have to. So his mom is trying... To get you can skip that part. Just what does she do? <laughs> so she goes up to the attic yeah. and uses Billy and yeah. rapes him. And so they have a kid. Yeah. So Billy's his own I didn't want to talk. uncle. Well, that's why it's I important. I know it's important. I didn't want to deal with it. This is why <laughs> I made you do it. I know. <laughs> because the thing I talked about was real. That's true. And you're thinking, this is all fake. <laughs> It's still gross, though. It's still really uncomfortable to witness for the, yeah, like 30 seconds they really deal with it in the movie. And I think what's important is all the things that Glenn Morgan focuses on throughout the flashback is the things that are stick, they they stick in Agnes and Billy's minds Mm -hmm. when they're killing people. Or like, it's the things that. Agnes or Bill, I don't remember, I actually know who calls the house to like prank call the girls, mm-hmm. but all that noise, all that weird shit, that's like what they would hear happening with the mom and and Billy. Yeah. So all of that stuff matters to show it's like everything that this killer does is like a reflection of the shit that happened to them. Mm-hmm. Um. Like, Agnes popping out the eyes of her victims is symbolic of how Billy decided that when he had Agnes, when his mother had Agnes, his daughter, that that was not acceptable and that he was going to have that family for himself. So Mm -hmm. then 
she became corrupted when Billy was arrested and put away for murdering his mother and the mm -hmm. man that murdered his father. So that, like, snapped. So then she started to, like, poke out eyes so that she, like, wouldn't have seen it. Mm -hmm. So that becomes, like, her symbolism. Well, and doesn't... This could be just my memory not being the best, but didn't when she got kidnapped by Billy for, like, a hot second, didn't she see him attack the dad? Yeah, she watched him eye? kill her mother and that man. Well, and didn't he do something to her his eyes, which is why she starts well, to do it? He used that plastic bag, which is why That's she right. uses the plastic bag. And I think to kill the the dad, I think he stabbed him in the eye. Okay. And it was just the eye was coincidental. Because then what she started to do to her dolls was, like, poke out That's eyes. That's right. So, like, she really fixated on, on the that eyes. particular yeah. death. So, like, that's that's what happened with Billy is that he – the way that he killed this man and his mother was somewhat thematically indicative of his assaults. Mm -hmm. And the things that Agnes took on was, like, the brutality specifically. And that's, like, what she reflects. So, I don't know. I, I dig the background and the lore. Like, mm -hmm. I – maybe it's because of my interest in criminology, but I – like when there's like neat little lines to how things go. Mm -hmm. Like again, Rob Zombie's Halloween does a lot of that with Michael Myers, like why yeah. he so aggressively kills shit. Um and the way that he has to fit just physically dominate things because he was physically dominated as a child. Mm -hmm. Not in the same way that Billy was, but in a in a more like demasculating way. Mm -hmm. Um Yeah, it's just like the worst situation ever, but I feel like it's I think it's there are still positive things about it, despite all of it being like ruined by the Weinstein's. Because mm -hmm. again, it's got that fun Christmas violence baked in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the those cannibalistic cookies was bacon <laughs> originally. Yeah, I looked at it, it's like <laughs> that's why it looks like you know cooked meat. Mm -hmm. Um, but the way that Billy actually relates with his daughter, like I actually anticipated. At the the big climax when both Billy, Agnes, and the survivors were all together, mm -hmm. that Billy would be like disgusted with what Agnes had done because all he yeah. really wanted to do was kill the, his abusers, and he did that. Mm -hmm. And then he came back, and then Agnes, like who had just wanted to be reunited with her father all along, was like, "Great, you're here now. We can like be a family." And then he's like, all right, cool. And mm -hmm. then they go to kill these new girls, and I'm like, oh, that's where it kind of veers into just, like, who gives a shit? Well, yeah, I, I'm guessing that at that point it's just them trying to get their house emptied. So they yeah. Can well, they were trying to end it at yeah. that point, because that ending in the house, like, that, when they burned that house down, I think that's where they tried to end it originally. Mm -hmm. um, let's go through these movie notes. I don't have a whole lot of them. So we can, yeah, we've talked about most lot. of these, too. Um, I do want to mention that I do love the introduction to the um, Institute for the Criminally Insane. That whole scene's fucking amazing. It's hilarious. <laughs> um, they're very respectful of beliefs in there, which I, is fantastic. It's not that bad of a place. No, it's really not. Yeah, like they have, you know, it's... The first thing that I think is very interesting is... So it's Christmas Eve, and mm -hmm. a guy dressed as Santa stumbles his way onto, like, the really, really bad, criminally insane ward. Mm -hmm. um, saying he got lost on the way to the children's ward. Now, this presents two equally terrifying possibilities. 
both of which I'm cool with. Either this is a normal psychiatric facility that has children in a somewhat similar area mm-hmm. to Arkham Asylum's worst inmates, or this whole institute is that Arkham Asylum for horrible inmates, and they have a specific ward for children. Mm-hmm. Either way, Santa Claus finds himself in this ward and is like, oh, hey, isn't this Billy? Like, he's the one that gives us the exposition initially for the killers, but he hooks up with the guard who's feeding all of them. Mm. And he's just like, Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, like, to all of them, probably within their own specific belief systems, um, until he gets to a door (laughs) where there's a guy who looks just like Jesus, and he's just like, Happy Birthday. (laughs) And he's like, peace be with you. <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, that whole ass bit where, because it's like whatever they're feeding him looks really weird. Mm-hmm. And the Santa's like, what is that? And the guy just looks at him half crazed and eats it. He's like, tastes, tastes like, like chicken. chicken. Because it's it chicken. chicken. <laughs> and that whole scene is just rife with chaotic energy, and mm-hmm. I appreciate it a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, especially because. Uh, I have escaping because of milk. I don't remember what that is so, about. Um, it's from a milk carton that he uses to prop the door open. Just oh, enough. that's what it is. Yes. I mean, there. I mean, that's yeah. interesting. I mean, I don't know. Milk, damn it! You know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. We talked about how fucking amazing the cast is. Uh, everyone plays their characters to be interesting, enjoyable, and mm-hmm. human. That cannot be understated. You know, the movie is worth it just for that. Yes. And if you're the type of person that is averse to more... I don't really even know how to describe it, but... Like, the Weinstein-type stuff. Like, Mm -hmm. or Platinum Dunes-type remakes. Where it's very... Loosely aggressive towards women. Or at the very least, just isn't... I I don't know how to describe it, but... Whatever that is, I feel like at the very least, this movie is worth it because it's about women overcoming male aggressors, mm-hmm. specifically who are violent against women because they felt they they were mistreated. Mm-hmm. Um, that is a th- that is a theme that I feel like happens a lot within horror movies throughout. Either that's projected onto them kind of unfairly in most slasher cases Mm -hmm. um or erroneously in other cases when it's just like a way to get people to hate on something this is a case where i feel like you can watch it with that lens or not Mm -hmm. you can you can see this movie as you know the feminine you know over you know overcoming you know chauvinism or you can see it as a really fucked up person killing women mm-hmm. and them just trying to get away from it. Like, you can put whatever you want on it. And yeah. I think that, you know, horror that doesn't tell you specifically uh, is a little bit more inviting. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like is the thesis of the show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have other ones specifically? These We covered most of these. Say, we've talked a, a lot about some of the more uh, story points that I really wanted to get into. Um, just for me, I think these are really good just because of, I write these specific notes as I'm watching the movie. Mm -hmm. So it's a lot of like in the moment stuff. Yeah. (laughs) So I guess in lieu of us going over the notes and just regurgitating the shit, we could just go over some fun ones specifically that stand out to us. Mm -hmm. Um, first off, uh, 
Who gives a shit about the sex tape plot? There's eyes being gouged out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that love triangle plot that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. It, it doesn't really meet, do anything. I was like, it's not developed very far no. because also the people who are in it don't live very long. No, 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 no. Especially, and you're right, because it, it's Kyle who's supposed to be the red herring. Mm-hmm. Um, Lauren, or Laura or Lauren, who dies soon after, like, she's dead the entire time. Actually, she's the first kill, actually. I think so, yeah. Because Lee is her sister. That's right. Uh, yeah, because she shows up and they're like, I can't believe she's sleeping. They're like, where is she? Like, she's been dead for hours, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Uh, um, I think it's really important to mention uh, a little bit about some of the like, practical practicality behind the movie. Um, but when they had to play eyeless corpses when they were murdered, oh, they yeah. had to use cotton swabs uh, to collect <laughs> the tears that would build up in their eyes. Yeah, while well, they were wearing like, that irritation. stuff over there. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is brilliant to think that far ahead. But man, that also must have been just uncomfortable to film in. Dude, yeah. I mean, I can't even wear contacts without freaking out. Like, I've never mm-hmm. worn contacts, but like, I, I, like the couple times I've had to put like eyeliner on for a show, I've fucking freaked out. Yeah. Um, the, uh, that's a cool way to talk about some of the kills specifically. Yeah. Um, that one Mary Elizabeth Winston dies in in that car mm-hmm. is super cool. Cause... And it's super out of nowhere, which I really Yeah, like. yeah. Well, and it's very much like, uh, like Halloween, like the original Halloween. Yeah. Mixed with, um, God, I don't even know, like, what that equivalent is. Like, he cuts her throat and, like, the blood just splatters on the inside of the car's windshield. But, like, that's the, it's backlit, so, like, you see just the blood and then silhouettes of the seats in the car, so it just looks very striking. Mm -hmm. She's with someone when that happens, and they they run over, they see it happen. I I think it's Andrea Martin. Yeah, yeah. Who runs out to, because she has to go back inside for something, and Mm -hmm. when she goes back towards the car, she sees the murder. Yeah. Um, We said before, uh, I don't remember her name. Damn it, this is my problem. Uh, Melissa, she gets killed with an ice skate. Yes. Um, and not having her eyes be pulled as she is being dragged down the hallway. So originally was how she was supposed to die. So they Mm -hmm. mercifully killed her with an ice skate. That, like, cut her head in two. Yeah, it did. Which is a really cool shot. Yeah, I I think it's, I I say mercifully because she's gotta be dead immediately. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think she also is one where it was reshot because of how gory it was in mm-hmm. like for like UK releases and they kill her with the unicorn statue which is a kill I know from the original movie mm-hmm. um and it's just kind of referenced in this remake and yeah. not actually used which I think is kind of cool for the remake to be like yeah we know but we're going to do something different well yeah and, and instead they use one that was um kind of more hinted at in the original and do yeah, the icicle the icicle kill. one uh, there's also an AED kill, a fucking yeah. defibrillator, which, like, Scream 4 does the same thing, but this one is just so metal. Mm-hmm. Like, it's right at the, you know, it's just at a point in the movie that hits perfectly. It's, like, at Agnes, too, who's just been killing fucking everybody. Yeah. It's just like, fucking die! Um, <laughs> the Bible unicorn. You know, you like, you the, like Bible. the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> that was you, too, I remember. <laughs> I don't even remember specifically why, but... <laughs> Alright, and then these are our spoiler territory notes, so it's just more the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of that attic 
scene after yeah. like after the attic it kind of fell apart there is a really gory as fuck christmas tree there with like a head on it instead of a mm-hmm. tree and like eyes as ornaments and it's yeah. fucking gross um and yeah that scene right after that like during that climax uh it's katie cassidy and or kelly and lee are the two survivors mm-hmm. and um lee falls into like a uh, like a space between the wall and the floor, like through the attic. And she's got Agnes coming at her from the bottom, trying to climb up and Billy trying to climb down. Mm-hmm. And Katie Cassidy's character is running all over the house, trying to like find where she is in the walls. Kind of like that scene in the conjuring where they're trying yeah. to figure out where she's at. And she's trying to like bang on the walls to see like where the hollow point is. Mm-hmm. Apparently bruise the hell out of her knuckles. I believe that. But like, I think it's the scene, they, the take they used for the actual cut, because she goes hard. Yeah. Trying to, and they're just busting through the walls. It's insane. It just, the, the whole climax is is gnarly. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kind of fall down from, like, into the hospital. It seems kind of like we want to put more, more stuff in here. We want to, yeah. like, put a little twist at the end. And I'm glad they do for the tree the the christmas tree kill Mm -hmm. it's fucking awesome yeah um i am sad that lee died Mm -hmm. i really liked lee uh but um it seems like in the original screenplay the tone was a lot more serious lee lived in the end along with melissa uh who only died because michelle trachtenberg would not do the film unless her character died that makes two of them love that shit uh, also, Billy had died in the mental asylum in the original cut, mm-hmm. uh, while Agnes was the main antagonist. So it was gonna be like, "Oh, Billy is this guy in the asylum," and then it's like he died. He cut he cut his wrist. I think was the way they said mm-hmm. that he died. Um, the original ended also had uh, Kelly and Lee killing Agnes and then being rushed to the hospital, and then having that scene at the end. That really sweet scene where. Lee finally opens up that gift that her sister gave her because they had been estranged. Mm -hmm. And like originally I was kind of off put by the immediacy of it. Like Lee is introduced and like walks in or goes, I'm Lee. I'm Lauren's sister. I used to go to school here. I'm like, they just tell me everything I didn't know about her. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, whatever. And then the very next scene, it's her being like, you know, I really grew apart from, you know, she just has this whole monologue about her and her sister growing apart. Mm-hmm. But I'm kind of glad that that's, like, out of the way. Yeah. Because then I can learn about her as I watch her survive. Exactly. And then when she finally opens up this gift that her sister had given her, like, with a note that was like, hey, I know it's been a long time, but I love you. Mm-hmm. Like, family matters. It's this whole thing. And, then, like, it means so much because she's like, fuck, like, you know, it's a really good moving moment. And then they kill her. Yeah. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, uh, that was, like, the best arc you could have possibly done. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I respect it for the arc being there at all. It, it's very yeah. good that they did that. Uh, other things about the cast. Uh, there's a thing about Melissa being, I think, originally cast uh, as a different race. So, yeah, when when it, the original screenplay was written, the character of Melissa was intended to right. uh, be portrayed by an Asian actor. Um, but then uh, Michelle Trachtenberg was cast, and l- the character of Lauren was instead cast with an Asian actress. Yes, yeah. um, uh, Yan K. Crystal Lowe uh, is biracial, having both Scottish and Chinese parents. I, it was it's interesting because the they say the character was intended to be Asian mm-hmm. or played by an Asian person. Uh, 
I, I like that because that on paper sounds like it could go a certain direction as mm-hmm. being stereotyped or yeah. something. But it wasn't. like It was just like, no, we're going to have this character because we want to have a diverse cast of uh-huh. characters that we want to do. And again, great on Glenn Morgan for doing that. I'm sure Bob Clark wanted that originally in the 70s, but it was the 70s in Canada. And they probably, I don't know what Canada's situation has always been. Maybe that wasn't an option. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, Mary Elizabeth was, was again, supposed to be original final girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> Melissa's original death was Agnes placing a bag over her head, ripping her eyes out through the bag, and then dragging her down the hall by her, like, optic nerve still attached to her eye sockets. Mm-hmm. It's disgusting. And she's screaming and screaming and screaming. And, uh, yeah, they, they forced them to film it, and uh, then they reshot her death because they're like, that was gross and not creative. Mm-hmm. And then they changed her, her escaping the uh, plastic bag uh, and being chased into a room, and then the ice skate cuts her head in two. And, yes, it's the UK's version of death. And it was the... filmed behind the studio's back. Yeah. It's like, you know, taste your own medicine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so that eye death ended up being used in the UK um, release, and we, in the US, get the ice skate death. Yes. Those last two notes are my favorite. <laughs> so, again, I talked about that uh, that Christmas tree kill. Mm-hmm. Um, they just push Billy on top of this massive well, yeah, tree. They push him over a ledge, yeah. so he falls on top and gets impaled by the top of this Christmas tree. And it's like one of the... You know how some trees have, like, their stars, just a big spike? Mm-hmm. It's, like a, it's like a six-foot spike for no reason. They shoot it, like, maybe from three feet above the spike, so as he's falling, you kind of, like don't have visual like depth perception for a second, which is cool because it almost looks like it's in 3D. Mm-hmm. How he falls flat on this spike and his like guts come out, yeah. but the spike looks like it's still coming towards camera because he's coming down it. Because that's probably... He didn't obviously impale this man. Yeah. So they probably shot it digitally with like a spike coming out of him. But it looks so cool. Yeah. It is so awesome. <laughs> And what what did that kill remind you of? I said it was a stage fatality, because it is. It is. It's straight up a stage fatality from Mortal Kombat 2. Do you want to try to decipher that other one? Well, I'm pretty sure I know exactly what this other one is. because I don't remember. Because, um, much like in Scream 4, um, when there's a problem in the hospital room... No one's coming to help our main character. Yeah, but in this one... The fucking hospital from Scream 4 can go fuck. Yeah. (laughs) It sucks. But unlike in Scream 4, in this one, it gives a little explanation as to why the staff doesn't come running. It's because um, the, like, nurse reception area has Christmas carolers there, so they're watching the carolers so they don't see the, like, little light-up button that she needs help. You know, in hospitals, there's, like, buttons that you can press, like, call nurses and stuff. So, like, at mm-hmm. the nurse station, there's, like, a blinking dashboard of, like, rooms and stuff. So, you know, Agnes showed up. She killed Lee. You know, her and her father survived the house being set on fire. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're both there. I think Billy specifically is going after Kelly and Agnes killed Lee, and then they both showed up. I actually don't remember specifically the end of the movie because I was yeah. so mad at Lee being dead. <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, she's like hitting the button, hitting the button, hitting the button. 
And I'm like, where the fuck are all of these nurses? Because, like, I don't know much about hospitals. But I do know that, like, every movie or TV show has, like, hospitals seem, like, vacant. And I'm like, hospitals do not work that way. There are constantly people everywhere. So, like, anytime they're like, we're going to get you a private floor, I'm like, if you want them to be safe, put them in normal places. No one will see them. So I'm like, where the hell? It's even just, like, a janitor. Yeah. (laughs) Please. Yeah, and then they pan over to the dashboard, and it's blinking behind the desk, and everyone in the hospital, clearly, like, everybody is gathered in front of the nurse station, conveniently, you know, not behind the desk, Mm -hmm. watching these fucking Dickensianly dressed carolers (laughs) while Katie Cassidy is being murdered. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the last thing I had about about it. Uh, I want you to help me wrap it up, though. So we we talked a lot about studio interference and and horrible serial killing. Yes. And I don't know what's something. Po- I feel like this wasn't as positive as an episode as we could have made it. So well, yeah. Let's, let's go positive. I feel like the big thing that we've kind of glossed over because I feel like it's so prevalent in the movie that I haven't felt the need to talk a lot about it. Yeah. especially if anybody does end up watching it, is the um, character relationships of all of the girls in the sorority house and right. just the kind of depth these actresses gave these characters really brings a different side that they couldn't really delve into a whole lot with the original Black Christmas since it was having to redefine a whole genre. Yeah, I, I truly so do this want one... us to keep thinking about the original Black Christmas as being like, yeah, it was fine, Sorry, it was just paving the way for everything you love. <laughs> exactly. And this one, I feel like, got to kind of um, reap the rewards of that in yeah. how they treated their main cast of characters. Right. I think it's, it's, a, it's a good way. It's almost like what uh, franchises do, where <clears throat> you have a, your, your original idea. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you've obviously got a bit of a, a world you've already built. And if you don't, you know... Once the finished project is done, you can look at that and be like, oh, I kind of want to make something else in this world. I want to continue mm-hmm. this story or find some way to continue this story. And then you make sequels and then you make, you know, big franchises and then they expect you to build on your own mythos and all this stuff. And Black Christmas, I feel like, was, you know, before, again, it, it you know, redefined all of that. So, like, that as a concept didn't exist for it to explore. Yeah. So, in a way, remakes are kind of, like, oh, think about it like this. Uh, remember we talked about Prom Night? Mm-hmm. Literally in our first episode? Yeah. So, I've now seen the original Prom Night, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't like it. But uh, it's a very different story. Yeah. From the original source material. And I feel like, because Prom Night... Uh, as a concept, is very... You can fill in whatever you want. It, it kind of... It's less of a set franchise, and it's more like, you can just make whatever you want. Black Christmas, you can do that, you know, with the 2019 remake. Uh, or, if you want, you can go back and be like, there's still a lot of good stuff in this original one that I feel like we can talk about. Yeah. Like, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, I think those remakes straight up are that. Mm-hmm. Like, it's... We don't really know a lot about this, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre family, and even if we do, we can just change it because, you know, it's weird and crazy. It's Texas yeah. Chainsaw Massacre. Like, you just make it, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think if if you've ever got a movie like, you know, Black Christmas, 
where you want to do something more, you know, don't rush to put everything in one. You know, yeah. it's okay to let it breathe a little bit because that clearly people pick up on that. You mm-hmm. know, Glenn Morgan clearly picked up on that and has been a fan and was like, I want to do something like that. Yeah. And I, I really appreciate that. Like, that's the type of art I feel like that should be like collaborative. Like, if you're going to remake stuff, like, you know, I said earlier, like, if you're going to remake something, say something new about it or do mm-hmm. something, you know, more. Yeah. You know, you don't have to just make another thing. You mm-hmm. know, make something that you want. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, Danny McBride is doing a lot with Halloween. And, yeah. Like, that's something clearly that I feel like he has ranted to his roommates about all through college and was Mm -hmm. like no man it's about the duality of michael myers and jamie lee curtis and i'm like yes maybe one day too i can do this (laughs) i'll take a franchise and be like now you all have to sit and get hype about my dumb idea about this character (laughs) yeah so that kind of does it for us we're sorry we haven't recorded a whole lot lately we're gonna get back on it we've got a regimented schedule yes we're gonna be working ahead of time we are set for the semester ahead more well more or less yes but we yeah we have the game plan we have our game plan how we're going to tackle including gaming yes so we got games now we're doing games uh we recorded some over break with Mm -hmm. uh steph friend of the show and um that one specifically i do want to make a uh a big thing that we do normally um what we what were we calling it fuck what what was the name did we have a name? I think we, we said it. Oh, maybe off air. I don't remember. I don't remember. We'll think of it before we do it again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we were thinking about doing that. We're thinking about trying out some video games again once mm-hmm. we have thought it through. Yes. About how we're going to say, record it, That'll it. be a little bit more planned than the last time. Yeah. And what was that idea you had yesterday? We had another... Uh, you... Shit, am I just putting you on the spot now? I feel like um, the other day you looked at me and were like, that's another thing we can do for games, and I didn't listen. Sorry. I think I did, but I don't remember what it is offhand right remember. now. But I'm sure it'll come back. Uh, maybe it was like something about like just playing Betrayal. I think like it probably was. Yeah, just I don't like... know. We'll work that out. I mean, we have to figure out how to record at a distance better. <laughs> like, yeah. with someone that is not here. Like, mm-hmm. once we figure that out, then we can talk about... I say, that's a, that'll be a game changer. Shit. Um, speaking of, uh, game changing, I don't even know where I was going with that. I also follow don't know our Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can re- you can send us an email at square horror podcast at gmail.com. Oh, I do know where I was going with, uh, at least making an impact. Um, I on accident made a Facebook page for the show when I, cr- when I created the Instagram and, uh, I like forgot all about it. So, um, if a Facebook page is something that appeals to people, we can make that a bigger thing. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, uh, we can just be more active on email or other social medias. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, we're here for whatever. Like, we'll yeah. adapt to something. It was just cool to to be on Facebook and to read some stuff about, like, we, like, we got someone to watch all the Halloween movies, Danny. And Friday the 13th. God, like we never said to do that, yeah. right? Like we just <laughs> talked about it. Like we did not encourage. <laughs> I didn't not encourage it though. <laughs> I mean, more like it wasn't that we actively discouraged. It was more that like when we started recording Halloween, it was like yeah, Halloween. And, like the rest of the episodes were like fuck my life. Yes, yeah. more movies. <laughs> We also fixed that immediately by being like, "How about we just take one at a time? Yes, How about we do one episode at a time." Um, 
I don't have anything else. Do you have anything else? I think that's all for this cool. episode. We call it an even hour and a half. <laughs> Until next time, you stay spooky out there.